0: i'm jeff gibson
1: and i'm shanna paxton
0: and we are the the movie Movie lovers Lovers. welcome hello to the official podcast of the gibson review in every episode we kick it off with the week in review what movies and tv shows we've been watching since the last episode move on to the main event which is a main topic of discussion or review then finish up with film faves where we relish in our joy in film by counting down our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic in this episode we'll have a short week in review segment talking mostly about an, a limited series that just ended and then we will move on to our review of disney's raya and the last dragon and film faves We'll have a combined list of our 12 favorite movies about dragons, our 12 favorite dragon movies. So, let's get started. With the Weekend Review, as I understand, Shanna, you haven't really had much opportunity to see much on your own since we last recorded our previous episode.
1: No, and I'm working my way through one or two shows Mm -hmm. and working my way through a movie. So, I'm kind of all over the place.
0: Fair enough. I have just been working on Disney through the years, working my way through live-action Disney movies from the 1950s. By the time you're hearing this, I should be about done with that and moving on to the 60s, so maybe you'll see my latest entry published of of reviewing every movie, every live-action movie that's available on Disney Plus uh, from the 1950s and ranking them. Uh, So, Shanna, you and I have finished watching one show that, at time of recording, just aired its final episode, the limited series WandaVision. Now, we talked a couple episodes back when it first started about the first couple episodes and our thoughts, and that was before some major developments occurred, which really got us excited, uh, which I guess we should start with so, first of all, if you haven't seen WandaVision, spoilers for WandaVision. Skip probably five, ten minutes ahead to our main review if you haven't watched any WandaVision. Uh, but now is definitely the time if you've been holding out until it all comes out so you can binge it. Now's the time to watch it. But in episode three and four, we start getting, like, major developments. One of which, I believe it was, this is like nine episode series, one of which was there is a knock at the front door and... When Wanda goes to open that door, someone shows up that is Pietro, her brother, but not the Pietro she knows. Not Aaron Taylor Johnson's Pietro from Age of Ultron. It is Evan Peters' Pietro from the Foxman, the 20th Century Fox version of the X-Men series. Shannon, would you like to comment on that? Take it from here? You had quite the response to that.
1: I was excited to tears when I saw that because I thought that I was under the impression that this was an opportunity to bring in the fo- the foxman, you know, to kind of have possibly uh, crashing worlds, alternate worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought, oh, this is so cool. I'm finally going to get my dream of seeing x-men like crazy right you know because there's only the show that exists and then the movies we haven't watched all three of the x-men shows that exist but oh you're talking about the cartoons yeah and plus so, gifted
0: there's that show on fox called gifted that lasted a, se- a couple seasons
1: but i would trust Disney to do a good job of it because they have proved themselves you know well kevin feige time. in
0: particular yes. as the architect of all of this yeah. yeah
1: um and so i thought it meant look Quicksilver's is one of my favorite oh really from Days of Future Past. He's one of my favorite characters in there. I love for his scenes. Mm -hmm. I I just, I absolutely love him in the movies. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw him in the show, I was like, oh my God, are we, yay, we get to have him back. Because yeah. when he died in Age of Ultron, I was pretty pissed. I, I wasn't.
0: The Aaron Taylor Johnson version. Yeah, I didn't
1: fall in love with that version. Uh-huh. My, love, my heart definitely belongs to the other one. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh my God. And so I was screaming and carrying on. And I was like, why aren't you excited? And it turns out you had the right reaction because it's like you don't know where it's going to go. And well,
0: okay. So let, let's pause there because my reaction was my jaw was on the floor and my mind was actually reeling about what this meant. And it seemed to me that this was cementing WandaVision as one of the most significant pivotal turning points in the MCU, because exactly what you were saying, it seemed to suggest that especially knowing that WandaVision was supposed to lead into Dr. Strange and the, was it? The um, the multiverse of madness, mm-hmm. knowing that we're getting into the multiverse and that w- the Wanda, uh, the Scarlet Witch is going to be in that movie. My mind was really thinking, oh, my gosh, this is how they're going to introduce. They're going to introduce the X-Men through uh, at least uh, like folding in the Foxmen as another alternate reality. Mm hmm. And, and Evan Peters' Quicksilver was somehow, like, he, he got somehow pulled into this reality by Wanda. And the yeah. lines were being blurred. And my mind was just reeling at the excitement of, of what that would be suggesting and such. All and the
1: possibilities. Yes,
0: yes. Now, on top of that, we also had scenes with S- S.W.O.R.D. Which it was cemented that Sword was actually being introduced in the show, which we had speculated in the first couple episodes. Now Sword is an organization that was introduced by Joss Whedon almost twenty years ago now. Jeez Louise. And how like that is essentially like the shield of space. They are protecting Earth from any an intergalactic or space threats, right? Mm-hmm. Now sword also like talks about how there's astrophysicists and astronauts and all these sorts of things and at one point what's her name of uh, the, the shield uh, person monica monica rambo yeah monica rambo i think her name is at, at one point monica says oh i know someone who's really good at astrophysicists and might be able to help that help and that goes nowhere, but it's a hell of a, a tease as a possibility that this m- sword might be the way we introduce Reed Richards, which is how we might introduce the Fantastic Four and and Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Ben Grimm, and Johnny Storm going off on their mission that ends up turning them into the Fantastic Four. So it was, it was just yeah. the, episode three and four was absolutely just mind-blowingly exciting and thrilling on so many levels and then (laughs) we learn that maybe evan peters appearance isn't that exciting (laughs) it didn't quite live up to that it turned out we learned in our final episode of wandavision that evan peters plays just a dude that lives down the road in westview Mm -hmm. named ralph Mm -hmm. who was taken over
1: freaking ralph
0: by another witch who's also revealed agnes is actually agatha harkness who in the comics is an old witch one of the original witches back from the salem witch trial days who trains scarlet witch in her powers Mm -hmm. and it turns out she's kind of this person who's envious of wanda's powers and wants to take them and and she's a greedy little witch
1: right and she's
0: she's the one that created the whole situation with ralph and and oh made him like quote-unquote wanda's brother and stuff which i was kind of disappointed by because i don't think that's nearly as interesting as the possibilities Mm. we were exploring with that
1: yeah uh (laughs) I haven't mourned the loss of Quicksilver again. (laughs) It's like you don't see Wanda mourning for him again. Right. It's okay because I'll do it. Shanna will do it for you. (laughs) So it's like it's, it's so disappointing because I'll you know I went to the Disney store this week and there's a section. Of X-Men stuff. Mm -hmm. They've got X-Men merchandise coming through. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I realize, oh, but you, you know, you kind of abused my trust. So now I I, I feel like I feel like I can't get excited anymore until something's really, really official. Mm. Like, I feel like now I feel like I have to be super skeptical of everything that happens, which is awful because, um. I want to be able to trust mm-hmm. the the shows and what they're doing, and so I feel a little betrayed. I feel a little abused here. Mm. Um, but you know, moving away from Quicksilver and all of that, I do like every. I do like the show.
0: I was going to ask if that was enough to really hurt your overall My impression feelings. of the the <laughs> yeah your overall impression of the series and and how, whether or not it was any good.
1: I think this was a good series. It was a great series about grief and yeah. trying to come to terms with what grief can do, with, do to us, the different stages of it, and how really the only way that someone's going to understand your grief if is if someone else has had grief of their own, loss of a loved one of their own. Mm. And so there's power in that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it creates this... New level of understanding and compassion, and even community, one could say. If mm. people, you know, suffering from loss can come together, that's their tribe in a way. Mm. But then there's also this lovely commentary in the second last episode about that vision uh, speaks to about how it can't all be that bad losing someone because then you think of how much you love them and how it's really this ping pong game.
0: Well, like grief is a manifestation of love enduring. Yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful moment. I I really thought that was and, and Paul Bettany's done a lot with this character. He's he's really great, and that that's just yeah, it's just magnificent. So I feel like on the one hand I'm disappointed by the possibilities being crushed, but at the same time I'm also excited. About not knowing what's coming, there's something excited about not being right all the time. You oh, know, I guess, yeah. You know, yeah. and and knowing that there is a plan, and the excitement is in figuring out what that plan will be and experiencing it as it as it unfolds before you. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of other things that that happen that develop in the course of the series you do get monica rambeau turning into photon essentially her superhero superhero transformation
1: was awesome
0: yes because what happens is monica rambeau she she goes into the what's called the hex by the way hex uh for comic (laughs) fans is a is a very familiar term with regards to scarlet witch Uh, She goes into the hex, and she comes back out of the hex, essentially, and what happens is her cells start changing, and she goes back in again, and when she does, uh, first of all, she has to force her way in, and when she does, it changes her molecularly, and so all of a sudden she has these, these powers now and they are pretty awesome they're pretty awesome powers and we see some them used uh pretty cool ways in the final episode i'm also really pleased with the kids Mm,
1: Uh, during the course
0: of the series scarlet witch has two kids and you're kind of wondering okay are these manifested by wanda what they're not real right like are they real but then what I start to learn is they start aging through the Malcolm in the Middle episode and, and the Halloween episode, too, especially. Yeah. Oh, they're actually characters in the comics, one of which we play a lot in one of our games that we play, Legendary. His name is Wiccan. He becomes a founding member of the, new, the Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. And apparently his brother's name is Speed because he has, you know, accelerated speed. And so you got to see them for a while. All the while, I was like, okay, so are we going to have a really tragic end, a tragic loss, sudden loss of these kids Mm. in uh, in Wanda's life? And that's going to create a psychic break that's going to create the House of M universe, essentially, or the reverse of that. That's maybe going to create more mutants rather than take away mutants. My mind was really in what the possibilities are here. Or are we going to somehow translate these kids into the universe proper and then help introduce down the road the young avengers so there's so many different possibilities but again neither of those happen we had a very like moving acceptance of the end of this family kind of scene in the final episode and the kids you know just kind of going away off screen or whatever but that wasn't without them Having some really great scenes using their powers too in the final episode.
1: Yeah, it was pretty satisfactory. Um, and I love how the show ended with Vision saying, Well, I mean, that's not exactly where it ended, but I love that he said, Well, we saw each other again. Chances are we'll see each other another time. And I know that Agnes had said, Your magic is, f- your, your spell is flawed for this world. Mm. And Scarlet's going to get it right she's going to get it right and then i think that they'll come back in some form or another
0: well and then we also have the white vision the blank vision however you like to call it and that seemed to suggest a return of vision and in and a, and a way they can keep giving paul bettany some work
1: keep paul around
0: <laughs> yeah which i was a little disappointed by honestly because like to kind of do some narrative acrobatics in order to keep a character around again after like him being a significant that character being a significant loss in the previous major story arc is mm, annoying and i really hope they they stop pulling punches here you know i i think i think we'll, we'll see what happens with the black widow quasi prequel movie that's eventually going to come out but i think we can safely say that natasha romanoff is officially for realsies dead and probably this other character is going to take over that mantle eventually yelena bolanoff who will be introduced to in black widow but that's another example of i hope you know we don't like undo all these things we're doing that you made the audience care about Mm -hmm. you know so we'll see what happens with white vision is there anything else you want to say about wandavision before we move on
1: no i think it's a great show and it really gives us our time back with wanda and vision so
0: yeah and definitely splits us off into the dr strange and the the not infinite but the uh multiverse of madness also teases a little bit of this show that's gonna come out called Secret Wars with Nick Fury and the Scrolls.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, so we actually have two parts to the show. We have Wanda and Vision, and then we have Monica. Monica with what she's doing and it the big game is the scrolls.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Next up will be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in future episodes. All right. With that, it's time to move on to the main event, which is our review of Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon. Let's catch
1: you up. My name is Raya. Our lands have been at war for as long as we can remember. Our people never see eye to eye.
0: My daughter. I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of butt kickery.
1: Ta-da! Let's go.
0: We'll have to watch our backs. We're not the only ones looking. Six years of searching. Please, let this be it. (gasps) Oh, mighty (gasps) Sisu! Who said that? We really need your help. Ah, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not, like, the best dragon. Have you ever done, like, a group project, but there's, like, that one kid who didn't pitch in as much, but still ended up with the same grade?
1: Uh, we're doomed. You and the dragon are coming with me. Hmm, my sword here says we're not. (laughs) broken. You can't trust anyone. Maybe it's broken because you don't trust anyone. You just have to take the first step. Ah!
0: I just shape-changed! Dragons can do that? Look how close my butt is to my head! It's gonna
1: make digestion so
0: much faster. And that was from the trailer to Raya and the Last Dragon, the latest film by Walt Disney Animation Studios. The IMDb description of the plot is In a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined earth inhabited by an ancient civilization, a warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. This film has multiple writers a couple seem to be of asian descent about four directors as well and a cast that stars kelly marie tran of star wars the last jedi rose tico aquafina Gemma chain daniel Dai kim benedict wan and sandra oh and alan tudyk so when we typically review a film, what we like to do is talk about the good first. What worked for us about a film? What were its strengths? What we what was good? Then move on to the bad. What were the flaws? What sucked about a film? What were its weaknesses? Before weighing whether or not the good outweighs the bad. And then moving on to spoilers and final thoughts. The past couple episodes, we haven't had spoilers and final thoughts. But I think we will this time, yeah? Yes. All right. So with that, Shanna... What was the good for you about Raya and the Last Dragon?
1: I loved the story. I loved the characters. I thought that using these different parts of the land to go visit—you know—I think it's four or five different lands—was mm. great. It was very adventurous from the beginning. This sto- this movie didn't wa- This movie didn't waste any time. It kept moving. It didn't stop. So much had happened. And I I think we were halfway. And I thought, my gosh, a lot has happened. Are we finished? And we weren't. And then with the other half that I was experiencing, I didn't feel like it was too much. I didn't feel like they were dragging the story out at all. I felt like it was all very, very useful moments i love the voices you know you've got the cast list up there right now and i was a really big fan of everyone's performance in this you know everybody knows that i love water more than anything else and this has a water dragon Mm -hmm. and it, I was just so happy because not only did the water look fantastic I mean when finding Nemo came out, I know it's Pixar but when finding Nemo came out we thought wow that water looks great and then I see this and I'm like wow this is amazing yeah. you know it was so super realistic and then the addition of an you know an animated character into this realistic looking surface, looked great because it can be a fine line of, well, does it look fake? Does it look like they just plopped her in there or, or mm-hmm. what? It can be very, very Roger Rabbit, which is intentional in Roger Rabbit. But in this case, you would want, you know, you're making a realistic looking surface. You're going to want the character that lives there to blend well with it. Right. And I felt like this was a great theme, the theme of trust and how they move through the movie. With trust being encouraged, Mm. trust being taken advantage of, Mm. and trust being relearned. You know, this whole faith in each other thing, it's such a delicate process, no matter who you are, what you are. And I, I love how they moved forward with that theme, how they got the story home. Um, you know, that I can talk about in spoilers. I also loved the lighting in this film. They really did play a lot with the light and there was definitely this different color palette that was happening that we're not used to seeing because, you know, it's it's focusing on the Pacific Asian area. So you're going to have these different influences of art and pattern, color, mm. design. And... I'm not experienced in that, so I can't say for sure. Oh, it was very authentically portrayed, but it certainly felt like it from someone who knows nothing. Mm. You know, it felt very different. So that was great. And there was a lot of humor in this movie. And I don't just mean Aquafina, F- Aquafina's character. Right. You know, everybody had funny moments and everybody kind of had these you know, left in awe moments that Mm -hmm. we can all relate to and want to experience. So it was a really relatable film. Just very well done. I also like that there wasn't any singing. You know, we don't have to have that. Yeah, that's a good point. Every Disney movie does not need that. Like, it totally suits Moana. I guess it suits Frozen. But I love that we're getting a break from that. It's important that we get that.
0: Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. And I'm going now to look at what their recent movies have been to see when the last time they had a movie with um, song was or without song. I guess Frozen 2 was their last animated movie, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. And okay. so that's really nice you know like i'm not saying don't do music i'm saying like maybe do one music skip one music skip well you know? ralph
0: breaks the internet didn't wasn't a musical right yeah. a musical animated film and the one that stood out to me maybe this was too with bolt but it's been a long time since i've seen bolt so i don't remember but the one i was going to call out that this particularly stood out to me was a uh, big hero six as a thing As being an action-adventure film without being a musical. Um, You have also Zootopia and the, the Ralph movies, too. I do like that Disney has been able to step away from always having the same template with yeah. with the songs and 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 sidekick character and stuff like that
1: one well, something that's great about this film is we have several female leaders slash warriors mm-hmm. in this film and they all blend really well together uh whether they're conflicting with each other or working together to achieve something which i really appreciate And they're all coming from a good place, but they're all fighting for it um, and not really hitting a ground of, like, how do we get what we need together
0: Mm -hmm, through mm -hmm.
1: talking, Mm. which is great. Like, I I love that it's not just this I hate you, I will get you kind of nonsense. I feel like they're fairly complex, Mm. which I really appreciate. And there's a lot of characters and animal characters in this film that I enjoy seeing. Mm-hmm. And find very pleasing.
0: Very cool. So I went to this movie fairly cold, not knowing anything about it. I just, as far as I knew, it was uh, this, this Chinese adventure film with a dragon. And it does seem to be rooted in uh, Chinese culture and other Asian cultures. Uh, what I appreciate about it is that, as such, the entire cast is asian or of asian descent the only exception that i can see is alan tudyk who voices a creature he doesn't he doesn't like voice a person so i'm very impressed with that i also find it interesting that this this movie is very much obviously rooted in asian culture asian history asian lore but at the same time, none of, there's, there's like also a complete lack of Asianness in it in terms of like no one acts in Asian stereotypes. No one oh, makes a big deal about their Asianness. It's not like an important part of who they are. What's an important part of who they are is their land, or their culture, the people around them. These kinds of things are how, what defines the characters. This is not ultimately Mulan, right? The 1998 mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. which, if you look at it now, oh, I see. Yes, you know, like the Asianness is the is the character a lot of the time, and you have some Asian stereotypes and stuff like that, and 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 you you see that in fair, uh, other movies throughout history too. So I was very impressed with that. I thought that was really kind of cool. I think this movie is a visually stunning film. It is absolutely beautiful. I agree with you about the visuals in this film. I wish that I had seen it in the theater. Well, just another film. Yes. I wish that Disney had released in theaters, uh, at least have that option to go to the theater to see it because it would have been uh, wonderful to have seen on the big screen. I find the biggest thing I think about this film that i find interesting is this overall metaphor of this land that is divided that was Mm. once united Mm -hmm. and the people have uh, become divided and Mm -hmm. disparate and it's led to a lot of oh gosh what are they described as Uh, basically like a source of anger and and uh, distrust and there's these physical manifestations
1: the drones are the physical manifestation of humans fear or doubt of each other
0: yes and how that is basically slowly wiping out the uh, civilization and it's turning them to stone Mm -hmm. and i think that that is really interesting metaphors to play with with our society Because it's definitely commenting, I think it's very easy to interpret, it's commenting on our society as it is and how it's been the past couple years, and... It doesn't offer answers as to how to do the work of learning to trust each other, but it does know that the important thing is that we take the steps to trust each other and be kind and unite and come together and these kinds of things for what is the greater good of the land, right? so i definitely appreciate that and that was a metaphor that i caught on to fairly early on in the film and was like it perked up my ears i was like oh this is very interesting so there's a lot that i appreciate about that in in that regard there's other things i can get into spoilers uh, but shanna let's move on to the bad what sort of things did not work for you about this film
1: I don't know. I do feel like the dragon was incredibly trusting, but then she also represents the healing that needs to be done between these humans. Mm. They they need to start trusting and she has she has to her character has to be this optimistic, mm. believing people, and even when her trust is taken advantage of, she kind of is like, well, why would you do that? Uh-huh. And it's very toddler-like. It's it's like, yeah. why would you do something like that? What made you do that? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. And it's it's one of these brilliant... I mean, it definitely calls me out on my actions if you ask like, well, why did you do that? And then I'm like, oh, um, I don't know. So I feel like... <sighs> I like would have these moments where I was like, well, is that a bad thing that she's so trusting? But she's the healer, so she has to be this trusting... She has to be this poster for trust. And I got over it eventually because I saw the value in it.
0: Mm, okay, so not much of a criticism there.
1: Not much of a criti- Like At first, I thought it was a criticism, but then I was like, oh, no, no, I see what they're trying to do there. Uh, I can't really think of... Our dog is snoring. She's having a really good... Saturday nap time, Um, (laughs) Wish I wish I was her. So I, I don't really see anything wrong with the film. I have started watching it a second time because if I pay $30 for a film, have access to it, then I'm going to watch it more than once.
0: Well, the, the, the fact that you have that luxury is one thing. Um, I see it as a parallel to an, an analog to what would happen if the three of us were to go to see it in the theater, you'd be paying around 30 bucks or more to see it so i i I see it as that analog relationship there so i'm not bothered by it Mm. but it's nice that you can take advantage in a way that you can't at the theater well we
1: we could technically actually because we had a membership i will remind you pre-covid that's right we had a membership and we could go watch whatever film we wanted to and you know the only difference is we would buy popcorn twice you know
0: so there's a few things that i want to speak to (laughs) about the the film uh
1: Let's see what happens. Again, we have not talked about this prior to recording. Yeah, what no, this is you... not
0: this is not a United States against uh, Billy Holiday situation. But there are issues. One, like not just a very minor one. I'm going to ease into this. Aquavina's voice as the dragon really took me some adjusting because she's a, a very naturally comical voice. Yeah. You know, and she has a very comical flavor to her manner of speaking and 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 her dialogue. But it took a while for me to reconcile that voice with this dragon. And eventually it settled in for me. But at first I was like, ah, I I, I'm not sure I'm not sure if this was the right voice to go with with this dragon. But it eventually was okay, but I was yeah, it was an issue at first.
1: The eyes and the fluffy hair helped her, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's like they. I think Are she. Are you talking about when she turned to, into a human? No, like, well, I mean that helps too, right? To see her in a different form
0: because she very much the animated version of her looks like it's modeled after Aquafina.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, second time watching it, I also get a little jarred, but. Then I look at her eyes, the dragon's eyes and hair mm. and specifically eyelashes and little teeny mouth movements and I'm like, okay, that that's fine. Okay. You
0: know, so. <laughs> so there's that. There's also these characters that are thieves that are kind of like fending for themselves and they very much feel like, I won't spoil what they are because they're kind of halfway through the film, but they feel very much like, the regular trope of Disney creating oh very marketable characters that that kids will love and also like very humorous and um you know that that sort of thing we've we've bickered about that before in a previous Disney movie I think in a previous episode in the past I can't remember what it was but it, it felt very like that blatant sort of thing again because there's no way that these characters like realistically could do what they do but you kind of go along with it because it's a Disney movie.
1: They've established it's an alternate world, my love
0: yeah whatever anyway Mm -hmm. so there's that the biggest thing though is this happens a lot in in films You, you see a lot of films that are like this and it's a matter of whether or not they're able to sell it and make it work despite it but this movie is very much a video game quest film Yes, it where, could
1: totally be a video game. I was thinking that
0: where it is very much like okay, you have to go to this land and get this, uh, achieve this thing, and then when you achieve this thing, you'll get a new power, and then you move on to this land, and, and you know until you get to the final boss and stuff. And it does kind of have that element to it, where like I could actually imagine this as a Sega Genesis game. Yes, you know. Yes, it'll and be so perfect. That's not necessarily a strength of the film as a in its uh. script.
1: You know? I I was having fun with it.
0: Yes, you can have fun with it. I get I, I totally get it. But I'm saying as a script it does feel like a video game quest film. And that's not necessarily a great thing. That's kind of a weakness of the script for for the plotting to be very much like that, you know?
1: Hmm.
0: I think that's the biggest issue. If there's an issue at all in the film, I think that's the biggest thing is the script just it, it becomes this video game quest. You, you go over here and then you can get these powers and then you go to the next place and you get if you achieve this ability, this objective, you get these powers and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I would say probably in the third act, it does do a couple of things to help kind of change gears a little bit that helps with that. But it is something that I really felt in the second act, especially this kind of video game quest kind of thing. Uh, One strength I forgot to mention, though, I'm sorry, we're in the bad. But one strength about this movie is I was really surprised that it was almost two hours long, because it really went by quickly, and I I didn't feel like I was like thinking back on the events of the film. I was like this. Filled almost two hours that's Mm -hmm. really surprising maybe maybe it's actually an hour 40 hour 45 and it has like 10 minutes of credits i don't know (laughs) but it's an hour 52 minute clocked film and it didn't feel like it so there was that but in terms of criticisms that's pretty much all i have is the script is you know a little bit weak in the sense of feeling like a video game and Uh, there's a couple other like character elements but overall i'm surprised by the direction it goes and i think we need to get into spoilers so shanna first before we do does the good outweigh the bad
1: yeah i would rate this film an eight a solid eight
0: i considered that as well i'm i'm trying not to throw eights around left and right (laughs) every movie that i think is really strong Um, so I'm going to give it cautiously a seven. Mm. I'm going to give it a very conservative seven Mm. for now, but I'll see what I I will eventually have to rewatch this movie. So, you know, because of the Disney through the years project, that's going to
1: be very interesting for you. I do like, you know, I've been watching a couple of Disney movies with you and you're what you're in the fifties now. Yeah. Okay. And it has been interesting to see the fifties and then something like Raya. Mm-hmm. and i'm like oh, i'm so glad we're at this point but why the fuck did it take so long oh. you know
0: yeah so it'll be interesting to see if i'm able to to have stronger feelings or maybe more criticisms watching it at that point but uh, yeah right now seven out of ten definitely the good out the bad this is definitely worth the price of admission i would say i know some people are like Pfft, just wait it'll eventually be free but um be part of the conversation Uh, if that's something that you value and if you're looking for something for your family to watch together highly recommend it
1: this is really great i would definitely show this to the four-year-old i know in my life yeah i think it would be appropriate
0: yeah and this is the kind of storytelling that we want to to give disney the stamp of approval too with in terms of in terms of branching out in different cultures and the casting Oh, the, the 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 full Asian casting, and you know these are the sorts of things that we want to support and give like a thumbs up to for Disney. So I recommend doing that for sure. So shoutout! Let's get into spoilers for Raya and the Last Dragon. If you haven't seen the movie yet, maybe skip ahead the next ten minutes to the film faves segment. The timestamp will be noted in the show notes so you can know where to go. Because from here on out, we'll talk a little bit about things after the first 20 minutes of the film, and maybe even in the end. All right, Shanna, so spoilers for Ryan the Last Dragon. What did you want to talk about?
1: I don't quite remember right now. <laughs> I'm kind of drawing a blank. But maybe you can start talking about it, and then that'll remind me.
0: Okay, so one of the things that I want to speak to that I was if you really take a step back and think about is kind of impressive is how this movie allows its hero to sacrifice herself
1: Mm.
0: to in order for the objective to be achieved in order for things to be set right Mm. In fact, all the main characters sacrifice themselves. Mm-hmm. And yes, you could cynically say, "Yeah, but it wasn't going to last." Blah 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 blah. Yeah,
1: well, that was established in the beginning, so you don't get to be upset, Jeff.
0: No, I'm. You're I...
1: typically upset when a no, character goes away. No, 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 no,
0: no. This is different. This is not at all like
1: that. Oh, okay, good.
0: I'm just trying to acknowledge, like, cynics can probably be like, "Yeah, but I didn't really believe it was going to happen." But like, let's acknowledge for the moment that the story actually required the hero to die
1: yeah right in a sense
0: and the were main all the main characters including children mm-hmm. to sacrifice themselves yeah in order to ho- have hope the possibility
1: yeah
0: of achieving their goal
1: mm-hmm.
0: now remember like when they do this like the other person that's left behind could have been like fuck this i'm out or whatever like done whatever they want but that person made the right choice and sacrificed themselves too but still like so acknowledging the risk that was being taken the self-sacrifice the selflessness yeah is not something you see in many disney movies
1: hmm it is quite lovely to see because sometimes that is what's needed right Mm. it doesn't matter if you're a toddler it doesn't matter if you're a small child and it doesn't matter if you're a young adult or older adult Mm -hmm. sometimes sacrifices need to be made
0: yeah so i thought that was really kind of like taking a step back and taking a beat acknowledging wow that's kind of cool i appreciate Mm. that Mm. So that, that was a big thing. Um, I was kind of interested. Maybe someone could write in and explain if there was a cultural significance to the pose that most people were forced into when they were turned to stone. Mm. That seemed to be something that I might be missing there. Because it's definitely, as far as I saw, it wasn't explained as like something particular to this story.
1: And given how our heroes end up not all the not every person turns into that position
0: right like i said yes but yeah. most people like the father mm-hmm. uh, the main character's father like he wasn't in that position when he got consumed yeah. he was forced into that position as he was consumed and you see that happen with several characters uh, throughout so i was curious if there was a cultural significance to that um in some way.
1: And when the the drone comes through him, you know, I noticed this in him in particular because I've started watching it a second time. Um a blue part of the person is removed and it almost feels like their soul is yeah. taken.
0: Yeah. Right. So I
1: wonder if if that's what it is, like if your if your hands are like that willingly because you see them when they're thinking about their lost ones. Um, their loved ones that are not with them, they bring the flower to their head like that in that position and then lay the flower down in the water. And so I wonder if it has some sort of significance to connection. But yes, if somebody knows, they should let us know.
0: Yeah, I was very curious about that. I thought that was kind of interesting too. And it just um, kind of adds to the textures of the, the film, the cultural textures of, of the film uh, that I really appreciated um the sword dude we have forgot about talking about the sword that
1: was such a great weapon oh and the fighting skills that everyone had mm-hmm. of varying levels varying styles was so fun to watch
0: yeah the choreography in this film is pretty cool it, it works really well it's not over the top or anything but it definitely like the final sword fight mm. is like there's a couple clashes there that are definitely like, you feel the emotion in the, the intensity of those clashes yeah. yeah i
1: i love how the bodies were animated too you know you don't it's not too hourglass shapey but you know it, it acknowledges that somebody who's a swordsman is gonna have broader shoulders so mm. you see i think it's namari yeah namari has definitely a stronger more built upper half of her body and so i appreciated seeing that Mm. and i i also do love when namari and raya are having a chit chat you know before all the shit goes down Mm. and i i love that they're interacting in such a way where they're like swords or blah 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 formal dress or casual oh in the beginning of the movie yeah they're getting to know each other with these little questions and and even i don't know how true this is but you know raya offers rice to namari and Mm -hmm. namari's namari gets like this sadness over her Mm -hmm. because she's like well i haven't had rice in a a long time Mm. and i don't know if that was true or if that was manipulation but What she says afterwards is very interesting. She's like, sorry, I didn't mean to bring it down. And I just appreciated this very open conversation these two were having. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that encourages other younglings to do that in the future too, to have really honest conversations with each other, even though it's the first meeting, yeah. so that you can really suss each other out. And quite frankly, all their interactions were interesting to me. Like Raya said, I know where to jab Namari. You know, I know how to get her rolled up to oh, distract yeah. her. And mm-hmm. it's great that Namari almost kills Raya. That was really interesting that that was th- that they went so far with the conflict. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And also with that, it added. They added this extra complication of would ha- would Namari have killed Sisu? Had I think it's Sisu. Sisu had Raya not drawn her sword, you know? Yeah,
1: it definitely was a knock happening. My take on it. What do you mean? I don't think that she was going to kill Sisu. I think she was getting they, ready to let go.
0: So I feel like they left it ambiguous enough because you see her finger pulling the trigger before Raya acted, and so like it it makes this situation where both parties are to blame. They like one pulled the trigger ultimately, but another led potentially this to happen because of her distrust yeah right yeah and i uh, and to add that that little wrinkle to the hero the mm-hmm. heroine is really kind of cool too you know so she's not completely blameless in in all of this
1: yeah they both both of their actions have consequences It it's it takes two to tango if not more it's great you know like if there's a fight happening, it's not just one person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you felt that you needed to speak to?
1: I love the end when we see all the dragons. I love that Mm. the trust in each other is what was missing previously Mm. uh, when the world first got healed. And so I love that the dragons came back and I couldn't help but wonder about the first world that she went to, to get the the part of the sphere. Um, Is it, tail
0: i forget
1: if it's tail like the chief died but it also it also looks like no one from that tribe was alive yeah because somebody would have been guarding her right you know and so there's no one around i'm just i'm just wondering how badly that that group of people suffered because uh now they have to start all over again and i i find that very interesting They don't hover on it too much, but. You don't think they're just turned into stone? A lot of. We did see people turned into stone, Mm -hmm. but the person who led her people is dead because she was hoarding a sphere. Right. Part of the sphere. So I find that interesting that that group of people is probably the most at risk people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, didn't think about that.
1: So I like that. All right. (laughs) There's probably other stuff I, I have too that I liked or. You know gave me pause or that i appreciated i'll f- finish with this i really appreciated seeing the strong leader warrior resourceful woman that are certain of what they want i also loved seeing tong who was like so giddy when he had captured right, raya yeah. and and sisu mm-hmm. and it was so funny because he's like, I, I it's going to take me two weeks to clean up the place, you know? <laughs> he's, he's, he's so alone because <laughs> he's mm. the, the survivor of his village. And it's just so funny how. And then when he meets Noi, he's just this melted mess, you know, of like, oh my gosh, so cute. So I really loved seeing the masculine and the feminine, you know, it was all really well balanced, I thought.
0: Very cool. So those are our thoughts of Raya and the Last Dragon. Did you see it? What did you think of it? Did you agree with us? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com And now it's time for Film Faves. Our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. In this case, it will be our combined list of our favorite dragon movies. Now, so what qualifies as a dragon movie is it a movie with just a scene with dragons no no sorry no willow or anything like that what we use to qualify first of all as with every film faves list it has to be a movie that was released in theaters no direct-to-video dragon movies of which there are so many out there So not only did it have to be released in theaters, but the dragon either had to be a major character or a major part of the the plot or the story, okay? So as such, what we found in our research was somewhere around 20 total dragon movies. All right? So clearly not enough for us to draw from to create our own favourites list, although kind of. It's certainly not for you, Shanna, because you had a hard time coming up with a full list of twelve favorite dragon movies to to for us to combine with.
1: Yeah, there aren't twelve for me. There's I think seven or eight. Eight and, now, yeah. Yeah, eight now. And that's it. I like I wasn't going to <laughs> fool myself into thinking that certain movies were my favorite.
0: So as such, usually when we have our like our joint list, we trade off. What I'll do is I'll actually talk about the the first few movies, and then Shannon will take over. Um, but for those of you to take a step back, who may be new to this, Film Faves is a segment of our show who that was inspired by a feature on the blog where I would count down twelve favorite movies. The idea though for us here was to not only share in the joy of film and give you an idea of our taste in films but also hopefully expose you to titles you haven't heard of before or seen and to that end we will note when they are available to stream on a subscription service we focus on apple tv plus hulu amazon prime disney plus netflix and hbo max yeah
1: that's right all I right got them <laughs>
0: All right, so when a movie is on one of those services, we'll let you know. A lot of times these movies are just available to rent on Amazon or nothing at all. Oh, also it's worth noting, it's very interesting. Not very many great dragon movies out there of the 20 that we did see, right? And then there's only one that not that both of us didn't get to see, and that was the Rankin and Bass animated film Flight of the Dragons, but we saw, one one or both of us saw all the others.
1: So we, we tried really hard we with did. this list because we knew there wasn't much to go from. And it's unfortunate that we have this icon of fantasy that isn't being experimented and played with more. It's always this, it's medieval or it's Vikings or it's the time of conflict with the dragons. And hmm. uh, that's typically how far it goes yes successfully that yes is.
0: especially with live action films now mm-hmm. it seems to me and you'll see this reflected in our list that dragon stories seem to do best in animation not so much in live action films um they're very mediocre or poor live action films and i'm gonna get us started with one that's just this side of good As our 12th favorite dragon movie, it is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug from 2013. It was the second chapter of The Hobbit trilogy. This very long, elongated, protracted (laughs) telling of uh, what I think is less than a couple hundred pages long book. This in particular had to do with the dragon itself, because what is it about? It's about trying to go and steal the treasures of this dragon, Smog, and the legendary Smog and stuff. Smog is voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. It was one of my first exposures to Benedict Cumberbatch. There was a lot of buzz around this dude, and I really didn't know who he was because I didn't watch Sherlock, that show that you've been watching every once in a while, Shanna. I think that was I have seen
1: this show maybe four times. It's a great show. The I, entire show? Yeah. Yeah, I've watched Whoa. it like four times. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: I have not seen it at all.
1: Oh, and, well, you know, I don't mind jumping in a fifth time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and this this movie actually stars both Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch in, in that regard, by the way. And it is definitely the more interesting of the trilogy and Fairly thrilling, and I think a lot of that is because of Benedict Cumberbatch's vocal performance as Smog and the rendering of the dragon. So that is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog from 2013, our 12th favorite dragon movie. Moving along to our 11th favorite dragon movie, that is Shrek from 2001, available on Hulu. A movie that I still think is comically quite brilliant. It's a movie that John Lithgow, who voiced the villain of, he didn't know what to make of it. I really wasn't sure that it was going to amount to anything worthwhile. And it ended up being one of the most um, incendiary, kind of uh, hilarious takes on fairy tale and fantasy. Uh, Dragon is a big part of it, of course. They, they get quested with slaying a dragon and what ends up happening is the donkey and the dragon end up falling in love donkey voiced of course by eddie murphy somewhat obnoxiously occasionally it's definitely overall still a very fun movie after all this time it's still the best i would say of all the shrek movies and probably the one that you can recommend the most out of all of them and still worth enjoying so that is on hulu it is our 11th favorite Dragon movie. Our 10th is one of the only Disney remakes that either of us actually likes. Am I right about this, Shannon? You're not a big fan of the Disney remakes in general either, right?
1: I'm not a fan of this particular one.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and, and in general, I don't like them, but I really I didn't like this version. Okay. i don't know why <laughs> so this is
0: what happens when you don't fill out your list of 12 favorite movies <laughs> one of my higher favorites gets squeaked in and that was the case here with uh pete's dragon from 2016 all available on disney plus i'll be revisiting the original again soon in the next couple months but when i watched it a few years back out of curiosity, having not seen it since the 80s or 90s, I realized good god, this thing is creaky. Good god, this thing is long. Holy crap, this is not a great movie. The 2016 movie basically strips everything, it strips it down to its bare bones. And um, you have different characters, a different story in a lot of ways, and it's much more effective. And and the rendering of the dragon elliot is uh, actually really imaginative and really cool and really effective wonderful blending of cg and live action an actually decent and really good remake this is an example of what disney should be doing taking its lesser works and trying to improve upon it and with a director like david lowry the director of a ghost story how can it not be better and there it is so that's Pete's Dragon from 2016 on Disney Plus as our 10th favorite dragon movie. And number 9 is probably actually my real favorite dragon movie. It is from 1984, The Neverending Story on HBO Max. This was fantasy in the 80s, The Neverending Story. This was the thing that kids loved in the 80s when it came to fantasy genre. There was really nothing that compared to the never ending story in terms of fantasy in the 80s. And of course, a lot of it is anchored or not anchored, but um, a lot of it is kind of carried away by the supporting character Falcor, the Luck dragon, which the main character encounters and utilizes befriends and sit and rides to help save the day. A wonderful character, wonderful voice. I don't know the voice actor. I can never remember his name. But very unforgettable film, unforgettable dragon in that film. So that's The NeverEnding Story, number nine on our favorites list, available on HBO Max. Shanna, go ahead and take it away with our number eight favorite dragon movie.
1: Our number eight dragon movie is Avatar from 2009 on Disney+. There are sequels coming for this and I don't know what that's going to look like but I thought I would just throw that in there. Okay. A paraplegic marine dispatched to the moon Pandora on a unique mission becomes torn between following his orders and protecting the world he feels is his home. You know, it's James Cameron. We've got my we've got Sigourney Weaver in here, Zoe Saldana, Sam Worthington. Uh, this is a great film. It has a lot going on or at least I thought there was a lot going on until you started talking to me about you know how this film doesn't really hold up anymore and in this movie i if i remember correctly because this is a long a long one the dragons come in when we see the people of pandora Connecting with them and kind of becoming one, as they do with many things in this film, and how you know there's this trust and they work together as one. The dragons come in this movie as well, a sort of resource, but not just any resource, you can't just go grab one and use it. You kind of have to form a connection with the uh, dragons, and that happens with you know it has to be a good fit, or you have to dominate. It's kind of hard for me to say. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a it's... little, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. Honestly, you know, our hero does something great with one of the great dragons, and they use their dragons to help them hunt, to get aerial views, but also more importantly, battle. Yeah, uh, and that that's where a lot of fun happens. You know, it's it's always fun to see dragons battle. You know.
0: It definitely works. All right, love. Then what is our seventh favorite dragon movie?
1: Our number seven is available on Disney Plus. From nineteen forty-one, it is the Reluctant Dragon. This is such a cute story. Our our character Robert Benchley, you know, starts off in the film in his pool acting like a kid. And honestly, at first I thought he was just a big kid, but actually he's not. He's an adult. No, he's a full grown adult. Yes. And And, it's like 50s or 60s. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was really funny. Black and white just really threw me off, I guess. And uh, his wife is reading this reluctant dragon story to him. And she's trying to convince him to go to Walt and tell him that he needs to make this film because it's so great. And what ends up happening is he is easily distracted. So totally relatable. And he goes through the process of seeing what people do at Disney Studios, what that animation process is like from practicing your sketching and your drawing techniques with real life subjects to the pigment lab the Mm -hmm. color lab where they're mixing the three different powders of red yellow blue together to make different combinations and tones and there's all these jars of paint you can tell that that was my favorite part but eventually we get to the story of the reluctant dragon and what an awesome story about how this dragon just wants to live his life you know how he wants to live it he doesn't want to fall into expectations in storybooks about how the knight must defeat the dragon and he's like well why don't we just have a partnership you know and and come to an agreement and understanding so that i can live my life mm. so it's really sweet it almost feels like a way better version of Dragonheart <laughs> without the nonsense and i mm. i love this film I, I think it is so sweet
0: Very cool. And our sixth favorite dragon movie, hitting the halfway
1: mark here. Our number six is Reign of Fire from 2002. You do have to go and rent this one. But hey, if you like dragons, if you like Christian Bale, if you like Matthew McConaughey, and you're as shocked as I am to hear that he is in a movie with dragons, go ahead rent it it's totally worth it i promise you okay what is this film about well there's uh fire breathing dragons that have come out of the earth because they have been disturbed from their slumber and they set the earth ablaze and it's a post-apocalyptic thing so you know i'm in (laughs) and here i was thinking that matthew mcconaughey would be this this maybe this dragon rider or maybe he would be this This handsome man that leads the people with his locks flowing in the wind. And he had no locks. It was quite interesting. So he had this physical transformation and he was, you know, this American troop on... um, British soil and coming up knocking heads against Christian Bale who is the fatherly figure you know the nurturer the leader that is trying to protect his his people mm. and I just loved the conflict that existed between the two of them it was quite scary to see Matthew McConaughey punch things and I was quite interested in how they depicted the dragons because mm. you could tell they didn't have a massive budget But it didn't look bad.
0: No, especially in the third act. That that is one of the biggest surprises of this list is that movie, which I hadn't we neither of us had ever seen, and it was quite a bit of fun.
1: It was such a surprise, and I would be happy to buy this Blu-ray.
0: So I'll take over with our fifth favorite dragon movie. That is how to train your dragon 2 from 2014. It is the only movie of the trilogy that is available on a streaming service. It's on Hmm. Netflix. I don't know why that is, but it's on Netflix still.
1: Maybe they're moving over to their own streaming service.
0: I don't know. I don't know who owns DreamWorks, if DreamWorks isn't its own thing anymore. I thought
1: they were Paramount.
0: Oh, okay. But I'll, I'll look into that. At any rate, How to Train Your Dragon 2 is, while having one of the more forgettable villains of the entire trilogy, a guy played by Juman Honsu, I find that this is a really, almost a step up narratively and also like animation-wise too. The way they depict the bond, the way that the characters of toothless and hiccup have bonded is really really great i I appreciate one thing i appreciate about this entire trilogy is the small the, the way they animate small little gestures of humans and how they interact with each other or talk to each other and stuff and i think that's true of the other movies as well but i really like how to train your dragon too you also get some parental elements in this film too with hiccup and it's great stuff it's great stuff and, and and whether or not hiccup's going to step up as chief of of the land of burke and stuff uh, i really enjoy it so that's how to train your dragon to Uh, From 2014 on Netflix. Shanna.
1: I cannot seem to get a straight answer about who owns DreamWorks. It Mm. seems a little complicated, and articles range from 2005 to 2016. So, not really sure what's happening there, but I thought that maybe they would be linked to Paramount Pictures streaming service. But, you know, Netflix has produced How to Train Your Dragon TV shows, so I don't know what's happening there. Our next one is How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World from 2019. This is the third movie um, of the How to Train Your Dragon franchise. When Hiccup discovers Toothless isn't the only Night Fury, he must seek the hidden world, a secret dragon utopia before a higher tyrant named Grimmel finds it first. I enjoyed this one for everything coming together and sort of coming full circle. Hiccup stepping up and you know hitting this new level of leadership and I love the relationship between Astrid and Hiccup the most I think of this franchise I love Toothless he's great I love the other characters you know that form part of the the leadership and the warriors and battles um but I really love the relationship between Hiccup and Astrid I think it's such a healthy one it's not this unrealistic one day my prince will come and in fact I love how the roles are kind of reversed where he's like I really like it I really like Astrid and you know they're this item but they're very respectful and patient with each other and I just I love how slow they take things and they put it out there in the dialogue too Obviously seeing all the dragons is awesome. Uh, That's, you know, why we have it on this list in addition to my love for Astrid and Hiccup. But I I love where they go with the dragons in the story, too. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it's something that has to happen. And I love that it happens. And I love seeing their respect for dragons. This is a franchise that's very good with respect.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say that while this is the one I like the least, I think, of the trilogy, what I appreciate is, again, how the characters are animated with their small gestures and stuff. And when I revisited it briefly this past week, F. Marie Abraham's villain is, first of all, the most memorable villain of the trilogy. I will give it that for sure. But little ways that he he makes gestures and he's he's a dragon hunter and he really enjoys what he does and when he's talking about what he's doing or or interacting with Hiccup and stuff there's just little gestures that I really appreciate uh, got included in the animation that's really cool so hmm. um so our third favorite dragon movie is I think the only one that's not American in origin It is 2001 Spirited Away by Hayao Miyazaki. Shanna, you actually were the one that reminded me that a major character of the story is a dragon. That's right. And tell tell us about that character.
1: That character is, you know, we don't know his intentions, Mm -hmm. and he can transform between dragon and human form, and, you know, he's in the spirit world, so he's kind of, he's a lackey when he should be respected and treated well mm-hmm. within that spirit world. And it's very interesting transformation that happens with him. And because of Chihiro, we you know, he's able to heal. And I just love that there's this beautiful connection between him and her and why this connection exists uh we find out all of that information as the story unfolds
0: this is also perhaps the best film that miyazaki ever released in a film in a career of great films Mm for sure this is one of the most celebrated by far uh, but when people are really pressed more often than not they choose spirited away as his best film and so it was only natural and i'm really glad that shanna reminded me of it that it ended up on our list
1: and i forgot there is another dragon that's featured in the film that does have a, you know a reason for it like you know i don't think there's dragons in the background when we do see a dragon in this film there's purpose to it and we're up close and personal with it. Uh, and that actually happens twice. There's two dragon characters.
0: Very cool. So that Spirited Away from 2001 on HBO Max. Our second favorite dragon movie is How to Train Your Dragon from 2010. My favorite of the How to Train Your Dragon series or trilogy. I believe I named it the best animated movie of the decade. That's largely because so many elements come together for one of the most beautiful and thrilling and wonderful animated experiences that anyone could have had in that last decade uh the flying sequences Mm. in this film are i mean it's like to see this in theaters and to see it in 3d also yeah is like to be on a dragon and to suddenly dive down in the, in the air uh, it is just unbelievable and if you get a decent screen if you can position yourself just right you might be able to get a hint of that experience as well there's a wonderful score one of the best scores by john powell which i absolutely love i have it playing in my head right now i was just thinking about it you know, the, the montage of Hiccup and Toothless kind of starting to learn to trust each other and, and that sort of stuff is just uh, just wonderful and, and beautiful. There's so much about this movie I absolutely love. The voice casting is perfect. It's, it's often funny. It's not too silly. It's a great adventure. <laughs> I love How to Train Your Dragon from 2010. Did you have anything you wanted to add about it?
1: I love the music, mm-hmm. I love the characters I love the evolution that they go through with their relationships with dragons
0: and Shanna, with that tell everybody what our favorite dragon movie is
1: it looks like it's Raya and the Lost Dragon from 2021 on Disney Plus for $30 it's worth the money <laughs> go ahead and throw it down <laughs> In a realm known as Kamandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by an ancient civilization, a warrior named Raya is determined to find the lost dragon. We've just spoken about this. I don't think I need to say more. Nope. But know that it's this beautiful film and features many great elements.
0: And it just adds to that canon of great animated dragon movies, mostly granted, taken up by... DreamWorks with the *How to Train Your Dragon* and and *Shrek* movies, but it's it's definitely, definitely probably one of the best dragon movies that you will see. So. With that, those are our favorite dragon movies. What are your favorite dragon movies? Was there any that we didn't include in our list that you're hoping to get a mention? Maybe a Dungeons & Dragons, who knows? Uh, email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. All right, Shanna, that's going to about do it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. Why don't you tell them a little bit about where they can find you online before we talk about the next episode?
1: You can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography. And you can find me on my flick chart, Spellbinding A.
0: Go to thegibsonreview.com. Not only will you find other episodes of The Movie Lovers on there, which you can also find on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. But you'll also find other articles like the Disney Through the Years series of articles. Definitely check that out under the Reviews and Features tab. Um, I should have the 1950s live-action movie articles up by the time you're hearing this episode. That includes such movies as Davy Crockett, The Shaggy Dog, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. A lot of things came out in the 50s, so worth reading there. Also go to Instagram, The Gibson 99. I do polls there. We recently just finished a bracket poll of favorite 2009 movies. Actually, I think... If I remember correctly, we were finishing up the poll on black cinema for Black History Month. That ended up in the first ever tie between Spike Lee's Black Klansman and Jordan Peele's Get Out. Ooh. Never had a final round tie up, but that's what happened. Uh, we just finished 2009 favorite movies. Your favorite 2009 movie is inglorious bastards by quentin tarantino
1: that was a close one between inglorious and up
0: kind of but not really
1: oh it was an interesting one yeah wasn't it (laughs) it was
0: that was the number one seed because of course Shanna, that is one that we talked about on our respective lists in our episode of the movie lovers i think you'll find there roughly um either a poll for 2008 favorite movies soon of course favorite dragon movies too so check that out. Go to the Facebook.com slash the Gibson Review as well. And flick chart the Gibson 99. Next episode of the Movie Lovers. Well, first of all, if you're not following on Instagram, you should because I'm a part of a month-long celebration for Women's History Month and International Women's Day called Choose to Challenge Cinema, which helps challenge a bunch of concepts of women in film and helps celebrate those who made a difference in film i should have my post out by the time you're listening to this episode about elizabeth taylor check that out but definitely look to see other posts out there as well but we will have for the movie lovers finishing up this the month with our own celebration of of women's history month we'll have a discussion about revolving around celebrating women's history we'll also be counting down our favorite women in history movies. so that'll be documentaries biopics i'm sure several different uh things to draw from there and it should be very interesting take a look for that you should find it on tuesday march 30th Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying...
1: Bye-bye.